Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, October 9th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am arts and culture writer Alicia Ramirez. Alicia, you had an article published this week in which you spoke to one of my favorite Broadway people, someone I praise all the time on here, Ashley Park. Uh, and even though it was for a Netflix TV show, Emily in Paris, I know you guys talked uh, a lot about theater stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. We were able to talk about Thirdly Modern Millie, Lee Silverman, and Mean Girls, and whether or not all of that made it into the interview, I still consider this a success, and she was lovely to speak to. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the piece itself might be more about Emily in Paris, but at least you had the chance to talk to her about all that cool stuff. Uh, she is definitely an up-and-comer in all of the mediums on stage and screen, so I imagine we will be seeing and hearing a lot from her in the years to come. And I think the response to Emily in Paris has been pretty good. Lots of people binging it, I've seen. So we will probably get more than one season on Netflix from this show. Yes, I hope so. And for season two, more Ashley Park, please. <laughs> yes, I think that's a fair request for everything. Uh, don't forget, everybody, that this weekend we will have a new episode of This Week on Broadway on Sunday. James and the entire crew would like you to join them, so if you would like to be a part of the show, you can listen live and submit your questions and comments while you are listening at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon, and you will get the Zoom link for the recording session. Of course, if you remember our Patreon, you can also always get every single episode before it's released in our regular feed. All right, Alicia, an unusual day on Thursday because we actually got some news and some pretty big news at that as the Tony Awards announced an upcoming announcement. Next Thursday at 12 noon New York time, Tony winner James Monroe Iglehart will be unveiling the 2020 Tony nominations on the Tony Awards YouTube page. The nominating committee will meet this coming Tuesday with the announcements happening two days later. They did not really give any other details about the eventual ceremony, but I've heard that some of those details that are being planned um, and are pretty interesting. I don't know if I'd say exciting, but they're pretty interesting, and I would expect for them to be revealed with the nominations next week. Now, Alicia, we first heard about having a fall Tony's, I think about two months ago now, or at least a month and a half. Month so, and a half, I think. Yeah, so mid mid uh, August, mid to late August. So between all of that time with no news, all of these months since Broadway shut down, haven't heard very much at all from the Broadway League of the American Theater Wing. Does this announcement excite you that something is actually happening, or does it feel a little bit empty given the current state of the industry and the world at large? I have mixed feelings about this. For one, it'll be a hard and difficult moment, but the folks from this abbreviated season, Adrian Warren, will get the recognition <laughs> they deserve. But on the other hand, the Broadway League and the American Theater Wing could have done this in the summer, like the Drama Desk and the OBs and the Antonio Awards. And not much has changed since the summer. And just why why now? And then expect all these people if if everything goes according to what has been done in the past, that you hold press junkets and folks are expected to talk to to the press and interviews and whatnot. It feels a little strange to me that they might have to do this, given the state of the industry and that they're they're having to advocate for themselves. Yeah, it's interesting because I would imagine there's not going to be any in-person junkets and Tony dinners and all of those things like normal. But 
I'm sure that shows and publicists and even personal publicists and press reps are going to want them to be out there talking about the nominations. But unless there's some sort of different deal for certain people, like none of them are actually employees of the shows anymore because their contracts ended after the shows went dark for more than a month. So they're going to be out there basically pushing themselves um, and obviously that can have big ramifications and, and being a Tony nominee and maybe potential Tony winner is great for your career. So there is definitely value, but you're right. It's just like I saw two former Broadway radio guests, Deep Tran and Nick Walker kind of talking about this on Twitter. It just feels um, a little uncomfortable. And I understand that. And I sympathize with that. I am I'm someone who thinks that there's a lot of value to the Tonys, not only from a personal promotion and business standpoint for the artists who are recognized. But I think there's also a lot of value to the fans who haven't had anything um, positive to really champion for from theater for the past seven, eight months. I think this means a, a great deal to them. Um, obviously, we care about the artists and all of the professionals who are impacted about not having work for eight months. But I do think there's benefits to this. But it is, like you said, just kind of kind of feel a little strange like like most play acting like the world was normal and yet everything is kind of crumbling down around us exactly definitely those who end up speaking with tony nominees will definitely have to shift the tone and the approach Mm -hmm. to these interviews perhaps it'll take a more somber tone throughout and like and you know it, it it'll have to be different because normally most of these people, obviously not all of them, because some things had closed by the time nominations come out. But like for most of them, they're promoting shows. They're trying to sell tickets. There ain't no tickets to sell right now. So it'll it'll be different. I'm interested to see how they kind of toe the line on these things and how much they do, how much they don't do. Again, we don't know exactly when this ceremony will happen, but normally it's, uh, you know, six weeks, five to seven weeks, usually six in the middle there from the nominations coming out at the end of April, beginning of, of May, and then happening the first or second weekend of June. So if we take that forward, that means we're probably looking at some time, I'm guessing after Thanksgiving, since they don't want to do it on, around Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm guessing early December is probably when we're going to have these uh, awards. I haven't heard a specific date, but my guess would be, you know, five, six weeks um, from the nominations next Thursday. Yeah, definitely. But I was expecting nomination announcements to go out in early November. But now that I think about it, you you have the election coming up and the holidays coming up. And it's yeah. it's it's going to be a, a loaded press junket, to say the <laughs> least. Yes, yes, it will. Um, one other thing that I want to mention here, having spent you know more than a decade of my life as a coach and or teacher, I think that I'm kind of seeing a plan being put in place here, Alicia, and I don't know that I like it. They always mm. teach you very basically, like, if you're going to give some sort of, like, constructive criticism or negative feedback, you use, like, the sandwich method, where you give a compliment, then a criticism, then you <laughs> end it with another compliment. Yep. You've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've used it. Oh, yeah. I think that this might be what's being set up here. We get this announcement. Yay, excited. Then next Thursday, we have all of the excitement for the nomination. So we have these bookends of excitement, uh, and they're a week apart. And otherwise, why do you need to make an announcement about an announcement? But I would not be surprised if we get some sort of bad news in the middle of these two exciting things. Uh, And ideally, for the League in the Wing, on a news dumpy Friday today, could be that perfect time to drop some sort of bad news. So... 
keep your heads down, everybody. Today could be a sad day, but I just kind of get the feeling that if you're going to drop this news now, like you said, you were expecting it to be a few weeks from now. If you're going to drop it now, you might as well drop something bad in the middle because you can always get people back into spirits next week with the Tony nominations. All right. Sorry, you've been warned. No, right. no, no worries. <laughs> All right, let's move we'll on. We'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be in touch. I'll talk to you after we get done recording so I can tell you more. Anyway, um, moving on, believe it or not, on Thursday, we actually got a show announcement for an off-Broadway theater for this fall. Yes, live in person this fall, because yesterday it was announced that the Don Mar Warehouse's production of Blindness, which is a socially distanced narrative piece by Tony winner Simon Stevens, will play at the Daryl Roth Theater this fall. The show will be one of the first New York City-approved indoor events for in-person attendees since the pandemic began. Maybe. We'll get to that. According to a press release, quote, Blindness is planning to open in the fall of 2020, pending the approval of public health pr protocols in accordance with current New York City and state COVID-19 guidelines. Attendees will see the space transformed to accommodate seating located the prescribed six feet apart. The venue has previously hosted non-traditional events such as De La Guardia, Fuerza Bruta, and in and of itself, the latter of which I saw, and it was a pretty standard theatrical setup, so I don't know that that really makes sense. But nonetheless, this is a major announcement. Now, Alicia, you and I have talked before about the our desire or lack thereof of going to see shows outdoors. Any uh -huh. interest Any interest in see, sitting down in a theater this fall and seeing a show, even if it is socially distanced? No, I haven't changed my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I get it why you want to do this, and I'm I'm glad that they are following all the safety protocols, but, like, I mean, and I'm sure people will go, but I mean, it's like, really? I don't trust the people around me. No, exactly. I mean, it's just like, all it takes is one, and, like, you can have, let's say that this, they're going to space it out so you can have, I don't know, 50 people. 49 of them can be perfectly safe and do everything they're supposed to. Always wear a mask. Never be in touch with anybody that that's you know been exposed. It only takes one person to turn this into a super spreader event, and it's just, yeah. I just, I, I just don't know that I understand the need for this uh, right now. But who am I to make that decision? Certainly not anybody with any power or authority. Not but, yet. Not yet. Oh no, not never. Not. No, I don't want that kind of authority. Uh, <laughs> I, I would not feel comfortable with that. Uh, but anyway, we do have some other news. Yesterday, it was announced that tonight there will be a live online version of the Off Broadway musical Jasper in Deadland, which I really like. It's uh, I got the uh, uh, original cast album with Matt Doyle and Bonnie Milligan. It's really good. Um, this will benefit the Actors Fund. The show, if you don't know it, is by Ryan Scott Oliver and Hunter Foster, and the live stream will be available on multiple platforms. I'll have a link to all of those details in the show notes. Following the performance, there will be a Q&A talk back with the performers. If you don't know the show, stop me if you've heard this before, it is a pop rock musical based on the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. It's a novel concept. I can't believe no one ever thought of that before. Um, I know. <laughs> but very different from Hadestown. Very, very different from Hadestown. So uh, um, check that out. The cast is not the original off-Broadway cast, but some very uh, talented people in there, including uh, Diana Huey, who I saw in the tour of Little Mermaid. She played Ariel. She was great. Um, so check that one out. 
All right, and finally, in this section, on Thursday, October 29th, Jay Armstrong Johnson, who is one of the most fun performers in the theater community right now, he is bringing his annual Hocus Pocus parody concert online this year as a Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS fundraiser. Joining Johnson as Winifred will be his normal sisters, Allison Robinson as Sarah, and Amanda Williams Ware as Mary, and they will be bringing in a ton of other villains to sing songs as well. They will be played by Drew Galing, Jay Harrison Gee, Todrick Hall, Robin Herter, Eva Noblezada, Will Swinson, and many more. Uh, Alicia, are you a Hocus Pocus fan or is this, uh, is it a little too old for your childhood? No, no? I, okay. I'm definitely a fan of the you were movie offended. and I'm also You were a fan offended of that I asked. You like, you were almost offended that I asked that question. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I'm not offended. Okay. But yeah, it's a gr- I mean, this is something that goes back to my childhood. Like, I remember watching this with my brother and sister as a kid. Like, this, and every year we get to the point where we're like, why is this not a musical? Yeah, definitely agree. I think this is my second test. I think test number one was the prom, which I passed. And I think test number two is Hocus Pocus. <laughs> well, and no. I think I passed too. I mean, Hocus Pocus doesn't, isn't at the level of me for the prom, but this is like one of those things where every year, like, you realize that this, you know, not a huge like cultural touchstone, but you just kind of realize like this is something that's a huge part of generations mm-hmm. um, of kids' childhoods. And, you know, there's not a ton of Halloween-y types movies that are made for kids like this and Nightmare no. Before Christmas, which we talked about earlier this week. Um, but this one's up there as well. Oh, definitely. All right. So let's move into the feel-good recommendations. I've got a couple. I know you have uh, some, Alicia. So I'm going to start with my, one of mine, and then I'm going to give you yours, uh, give you a chance to say yours. Then I'll finish with mine because I talked about the sandwich method. So I figured we could uh, employ that in a little bit different way here. The cool. first the first one for me uh, comes from the upcoming HBO Max staged reading of the West Wing episode um, uh, Hartsfield's uh, Landing. They released their first trailer, and it is uh, really, really cool to see all of these people uh, doing these lines and playing these characters again. It's a little weird that Toby, uh, um, Richard Schiff, who plays Toby, is the only one that looks the same. Like, uh, <laughs> Rob Lowe kind of does, but like, he's aged, but like, Richard Schiff. Schiff looks the exact same. And this was a long time ago, but um, I love this. Gave me all the feels. This will be airing on um, October 15th. Special guests will include Michelle Obama, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Samuel L. Jackson, and President Bill Clinton, uh, plus Elizabeth Moss, who will briefly show up as Zoe Bartlett. She was not in the episode originally, but she'll show up for a little bit uh, in this one as well. All right, so that's my first one, Alicia. What is your recommendation or recommendations that you would like to talk about? I have two. Please, bring them both. So I'm on a Moulin Rouge kick today. Oh, okay. I saw so, you were I saw you were drinking out of your Moulin Rouge mug on Instagram earlier. Yes. If you follow me on Instagram, <laughs> you'll see my mug. Yes. So first off, Broadway for Racial Justice is hosting Empowerment Summits the second Friday of every month. And this month, they have a session called Women of Color in Performance. And it'll feature Ari Grover, Eden Espinosa, Karen Olivo, and Shanice Alexander. This sounds really, really cool. And Absolutely. of course, as usual, we will include information on how to register on the show notes. And second... This is a series exclusive to Playbill, and it was filmed in February, and it's a five-parter. 
for each of the Lady M's for Moulin oh, Rouge. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's a, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, and the first episode features Robin Herder, who I love very, of very course. much, and we mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So I'll be rewatching that. <laughs> those are very good. Yeah, send me those links and we will get those yeah, in the sure. show notes. All right. The last thing that I wanted to mention, this hits a lot. I have been, okay. So here's something you might not know about me, listeners and Alicia. Like I have so many books. I have them in boxes. I just don't have enough room for all the books. The problem is, is I've very rarely ever read. I just accumulate books and uh, always intending to read. I just never have time. So I don't read as much as I want. And one of my uh, I mentioned this with Ashley back at the beginning of this year that one of my goals was to read a play a week that Ooh, lasted literally cool. like one week. I have not done it, but I always intend That's to. Okay. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. I'm going to blame it on that, even though I stopped like the second week of January anyway, but I always want, I always get plays and I keep them on my shelf and I never pull them out. But this is very helpful because um, americantheater.org released this article in which they talked to a bunch of playwrights and asked them what their reading list is. Like, what are the things that they go back to and read uh, multiple times or um, read during a time of crisis? They've got stuff from Will Arbery, um, Tina Howe, Kiara Alegria Hooties, uh, Stephen Karam, Adrian Kennedy, Young Jean Lee. Um, Emily Mann, uh, Donald Margulis, um, a ton of other people. Robert O'Hara is in there as well. Sarah Rule. Um, great stuff by all of these folks. So um, check these out. It gave me a ton of things to put on my list. Many of them I've seen. A lot of them I have never even heard of. So um, check out that list. It's a great way to kind of start building a library and to kind of give you an insight into the minds of these incredible playwrights as well. Do you have a play that you have read, Alicia, that like sticks out as like the one that you maybe not don't return to, but like uh, the best experience you've ever had of reading a play rather than seeing it? The play to read per se has not come out yet. That would be what the Constitution means mm -hmm. to me. And from what I hear, it'll be released in December. Oh, nice. Very good. All right. That's good. I think the one for me is... Um, the one that impacted me the most was the one woman show Empanada Loco or Loca. Is it Loca? Ah, yeah. Empanada Loca, which I interviewed Daphne Rubin Vega about a couple of years ago. Uh, and I read the play afterwards and I, it was just like, oh, this is this is like some next level creepy one person show ambiance, like totally mesmerizing. So I love that one. Like that one just kind of like stands out as like that's the most engrossing thing I've ever read as a play, like to kind of just like completely engulfed my entire world. So uh, I love that as well. Cool. Yep. I All will right. def I will definitely purchase it and, it and read it because, because I did see it. Oh, you saw the show. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I listened to the podcast that is based on it um, as well. So and that's really, really good as well from Gimlet. It is called the, Something, something, Dolores Roach. I don't remember what the we talked about it before years ago uh, here. Um, the t horrible tale of Dolores Roach or so Dolores Roach or something. But really, really good there as well. But I read it before I listened to it because I wanted to get both versions um, before I consumed them. But very appropriate for this time of year. It is kind of based on the original Sweeney Todd myth. So definitely very Halloweeny if you want to uh, get that before the end of spooky season. 
All right, that is all that we have for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Alicia, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AramiraScar31. All right, everybody, don't forget you can listen to This Week on Broadway live as it's being recorded, and you can submit your questions, comments, criticisms, only in sandwich method, though, by starting off by going to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Everybody have a wonderful week. Uh, next week, uh, we're, we're still not sure when Ashley's voice will return, so maybe you'll hear Ashley on Monday's episode. Maybe you won't. You'll just have to tune in to find out. 